Welcome to Outside Source Football. This is a show about what's going on inside the NFL. Your hosts, Evan Mick and Ty Ruddy, bring the latest predictions and updates from the league. Enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome back to 101.7 Radio Free Hillsdale. My name is Evan Mick, and this is Outside Source Football. Today, I'll be going over my final record predictions. So I already did my team rankings, and now my final record predictions will be based on how I think these teams will perform game to game and based on their strength of schedule and obviously based on my final ranking of them. The second 22 minutes here will be all fantasy football. So all my fantasy football, wide receiver, quarterback, tight end, and running back rankings. So to do this, I scored all teams from 600 being the Eagles to 380 was the Cardinals in very last on how difficult they are to play against. Then I added all those teams based on the teams they play against. So the Eagles, they play the Chiefs. They'd be at a 0.59 for strength of schedule if they play the Chiefs every single week. So I added all the teams they play against, divided that by the total amount, and got the average strength of schedule for each team. I also have a median strength of schedule. So if one team plays all the top three teams, then yeah, their average is going to be pretty high. But if they're playing below average team on a normal basis, then their median is going to be lower than their average. So I think this would just be easiest to just start with the Cardinals with everything that I've done and explain as I go through. So the Cardinals are 32nd overall in my power rankings. They have the 8th hardest strength of schedule, the 2nd hardest in the entire NFC, and the hardest in their division. Their median strength of schedule is .539, which would be the Seahawks, who are my 10th ranked team. So they have a very high, very difficult strength of schedule, even as a median. Their perfect record, so the record that if they lost every game that they were supposed to lose and won every game that they were supposed to win based on my power rankings, then they would go 0-17. So they're not favored in a single game according to my power rankings. But they're close games, so teams ranked within three, either above or below them, are considered close games. They would be 0-2 in those close games. So they have two losses in that 0-17 that are very, very close and are toss-up games because they're very similar teams in ranking. So my final record prediction for them was 2-15, and 15, which would put them at 31st in the NFL, giving them the second overall pick, 16th in the NFC, and very last in their division. So that's how most of them are going to go. I'm not going to name every single thing for every single one of them because that would just be tedious and annoying. I'm going to go through some other things that are very important to each one of these teams. But most of it, that's kind of the gist. It's very a lot of statistics. If you really like statistics, this is your part right here. Now at number 31, I have the Falcons who are ranked very, very low. But they have literally the easiest schedule in the NFL, and which is the easiest in their conference division, obviously. Their median strength of schedule is 0.44, which would put them at the Buccaneers, who are my 24 overall ranked team. So the teams they play, the middle team, like the middle ranked team, is number 24, which is by far the lowest. Uh, their perfect record would be 1-16. in 16. So they do play the Cardinals, which should give them a win, according to my power rankings. But they have one close win, and three close losses. So I gave them a record of 3-14, and 14, which may be a little bit on the harsher side because they do play such an easy schedule, but I just don't see them getting a lot of wins. That puts them at 30th in the NFL, 15th in the NFC, and last in their own division. Next up, I have the Commanders, who have the fourth hardest schedule in the entire NFL, and they have the hardest in the entire NFC. So the only teams harder than them are all in the AFC, which doesn't matter because... That doesn't matter for playoff contention. But it does matter, of course, for picks. So since they are probably in the running for the first overall pick, this is very important. 
So their schedule median, though, is 0.572, which is the Dolphins, which is only the 13th ranked team. So it's really, really hard for them because they do play two top seven teams twice because they play the Eagles twice and they play the Cowboys twice. That's why their schedule really is so hard in general. So their perfect record would be two and 15 and they have two close wins, no close losses at all. So my final record prediction, because I do believe in their defense a little bit, would be four and 13. I think they can pull out some lucky wins here and there, but I don't think they'll be a consistent team at all. Next up, I have the Texans who have the 26th hardest strength of schedule. So very easy schedule on the easier side but they don't have the easiest schedule in their own division. So even though it's on the easier side, it's still not the easiest, it's in their division. Their perfect record would be two and 15 with two close wins and two close losses. And the thing about these teams is that they're supposed to lose so many games that they're gonna win a couple. So once again, I gave the Texans a record of four and 13 and I have them at 27th in the NFL, which would give them the fifth overall pick, 14th in the AFC and third in their own division. Next up, I have the Titans, who have a fairly easy schedule at 22nd and a fairly easy schedule compared to the rest of their conference, but they have the hardest schedule in their division out of the Jaguars, the Colts, and the Texans. So unfortunately, that looks like if they were going to be that wildcard team and win their division, they do have the hardest road to get there, which would be really the only way that I would see them making the playoffs. So I have them at a perfect record of 3-14 and with three close wins and only one close loss. But I once again gave another team a ranking of 4 and 13 as my final record prediction for the Tennessee Titans. Next up, I have the Raiders, who have the third hardest schedule in the entire NFL. Their perfect record would be 0 and 17. They play zero teams that are ranked below them. Zero. And they only play one close game with one team being within three wins of them. So I have them at a record of 2 and 15. So that would put them at very last in the NFL. Even though they're not my bottom-ranked team, I just believe that they play such a hard schedule that they will end up with the first overall pick. They're last in their conference, last in their division. Up next, I have the Bears, who play another easy schedule, 27th hardest in the NFL, uh, third hardest in their own division. They have a perfect record of 4-13. and 13. So if every single rent game went as ranking, they would win four games and lose 13 but they have only one close win and three close losses. So this might be a little bit conservative because they do play a lot of teams around them. And this is another team that I think could be very inconsistently good is the Bears. I have them at a final ranking at 6-11, and 11, which would put them at 26 in the NFL, giving them the seventh overall pick. They'd a 13th in the NFC and last in their own division. Up next, we got the Saints, who play the second easiest schedule in the NFL, but it's not the easiest in their own division. They have, for a perfect record, they would be 5-12, and 12, with two close wins and three losses. That would be very close. So I gave them another final record prediction of 6-11, and 11, putting them at 25th in the entire NFL, 12th in the NFC, and 3rd in their own division. Up next, we got the Buccaneers, who are the 25th hardest schedule, so easier on on that side, but they have the hardest schedule in their own division. They have a perfect record of 7 and 10. So if they won every game they're supposed to and lost every game they're supposed to, they would be 7 and 10. But they have three close wins and only one close loss. Now, I did keep them at that perfect record, which I didn't do for a lot of teams of 7 and 10, because I think with the loss of a starting quarterback, but with a lot of talent, it's going to be a very consistently average team with not a lot of big plays, not a lot of surprises. They're going to run the ball a lot. 
and they're going to play some good defense and an easier division, I think they're going to win seven games and lose 10 of them. Up next, I have a very polarizing team with the Broncos. Brought in a new head coach, brought in a couple new pieces, but they weren't all that great offensively last year. They really, really struggled. But Sean Payton's ripping everything apart, starting over from fresh. So it'll be interesting to really see how they do this year, especially with a middle-of-the-pack schedule. They have the 16th hardest, uh, but they do have the easiest in their own division. Their perfect record would be 5-12, and 12, but they have one close win and one close loss. So I gave them that close win and put them at a record of 6-11, and 11, which would put them at 23rd in the NFL, which is exactly their power ranking, 12th in the AFC, and 3rd in their own division. Up next, I have the Rams, who have the ninth hardest schedule in the entire NFL and the third hardest in the entire NFC. They have a perfect record of 4-13, and 13, which is very, very low, with one close win and one close loss. But I do really believe that the Rams will have a couple good games where they have some surprising big plays. And because they play a lot, a lot of the middle-of-the-pack teams, I put them at a final record of 7-10. and 10. Up next, I have the Colts. They have the 30th hardest schedule in the NFL, so third easiest. Are the easiest in the entire AFC and the easiest, obviously, in their division. They have a perfect record of 9-8, and eight, but I don't believe in the consistency of Anthony Richardson throughout his rookie year to be able to consistently pull out nine straight games. So I have them at a final record of 7-10, and 10, which is 21st in the NFL, 11th in the AFC, but second in their own division. Now, see, the Patriots are a hard team to rank, but in my opinion, with my rankings and math, they have the hardest schedule in the NFL. Their perfect record would be 5-12 and 12, with two close wins and zero close losses. I believe Belichick will be really consistent, but they play in such a hard division, I don't see them pulling out win after win after win after win. I do have them going one above their perfect record, even with no close losses. I have them ending at a record of 6-11. and 11. Up next, I have the Panthers, who can be another very polarizing team, but they play the fourth easiest schedule in the entire NFL, and they play the second easiest in their entire division. They have a perfect record of 10-7. and They're supposed to win more games than they're supposed to lose, and they only have one close win and two close losses. So technically, they have a better than average perfect record. But I don't think that Bryce Young will be perfectly consistent enough to get them above that 10-7 and 7 mark. So I think that they're going to finish exactly with that perfect record because I do believe in Bryce Young enough to get them to 10-7, and 7, which in turn would put them at 14th in the NFL, 7th in their own conference, and 1st in their own division, which would give them the first playoff spot of my power rankings, 4th in the NFC. Up next, I have the Packers. Team with some talent here and there, a little bit spotty at times, but team that's very polarizing. Brand new quarterback, not a rookie, but he's never played real NFL meaningful snaps before. So they do have the fourth easiest schedule in the NFL and the easiest in their own division. But I don't know if I believe in Jordan Love yet to take the reins and win them enough games to make the playoffs. So for right now, their perfect record would be 9-8 and eight with one close win and three close losses. But I have them finishing at a record of 8-9, and nine, which would put them at 18th in the NFL, 
ninth in their own conference and third in their own division, which would just barely miss them out in the playoffs. Next up, I have the Browns, who are interesting with a second year Deshaun Watson, see if he comes back better than he is. Another team that plays a middle-of-the-pack schedule at 17th hardest. They have a median strength of schedule at .52, which would be the Steelers, which is my 14th-ranked team. So that makes sense. They're about middle-of-the-pack. Other perfect wins would be 7-10, and 10, have them going 7-10, and 10, with two close losses and no close wins. But I did give them a record of 8-9 and nine based on their schedule. I really do believe that this team can get a couple extra good wins in there. They have some talent. They've brought in some, some good players in Zadarius Smith. If Deshaun Watson takes any steps up, then they will be a solid team. But this puts them at 19th in the NFL last in their own division, which would not have them make the playoffs. Up next, I have the Vikings, who play an easier schedule. They have the 20th hardest. It is the hardest in their own division, though. They have a perfect record of 10-7 and seven with three close wins and no close losses. So I gave them a final record of 9-8. and eight. So even with the best receiver in the entire NFL, they miss out on the playoffs, coming in 8th in the NFC. Up next, I have the Giants, who I was higher on more than most people last year at least. I have them finishing at a record of 10-7. and seven. Their perfect wins and perfect losses would be 8-9. and nine. They play a harder schedule on the 12th hardest, just a little bit above average. I think that they benefited last year from a little bit of an easier schedule. But this would have them making the playoffs in the NFC, so they would be technically 7th place because they're moving down because the Panthers are number 4. Up next, I have the Steelers, who have the 21st hardest schedule, so on the easier side. Uh, the ninth hardest in their own conference, but the hardest in their own division. Uh, they have a perfect record of 10-7 and seven, with two close wins and only one close loss. So I did give them a record. Mike Tomlin did not lose his streak of 9-8 and eight because he kept his winning seasons alive. But this puts them at 16th in the NFL, 9th in their own conference, and 3rd in their own division, so they do not make the playoffs. Don't forget, you're listening to 101.7 Radio Free Hillsdale, and I'm going through all my final record predictions of each team in the NFL. Up next, I have the Dolphins, who have the fifth hardest schedule in the entire NFL, but they have the second easiest schedule in their own division. They have a perfect record of eight and nine, but I do really, really believe in their coach to get that one extra win and be nine and eight. But this does not have them making the playoffs. Once again, putting question marks upon Tua because they go, eighth in their own conference, and third in their own division. Up next, I have the Chargers, who once again have another middle pack schedule at 15. They have perfect wins would be 10 and 7, with one close win and one close loss. And even with their shaky, shaky, shaky coaching, I have them going 10 and 7 and finishing 12th in the entire NFL and 7th in their own conference, giving them a playoff spot just barely sneaking in. Up next, I have the Jaguars, who have an easier strength of schedule at the 24th hardest, which is because they play in such a weak division. I have the perfect record being 12-5, and five, with one close win and one close loss. I do believe that they'll have a little bit of shakes here and there. They'll have some question marks. They're not the deepest team in the NFL, and they're not super highly, highly talented at a lot of positions, but they do have enough talent with their strength of schedule to go 11-6, and six, putting them at ninth in the NFL, fifth in their conference, but first in their division, which gives them the four seed in the AFC. Up next, I have the Seahawks, who have the 18th hardest schedule. 
their perfect records would be 10 and 7 with zero close wins and three close losses. So I do have them finishing at a record of 11 and 6, winning one of those three close loss games and making the playoffs at the sixth seed in the NFC. Up next, we got the Lions, who play an easier schedule at the 23rd hardest and the second hardest in their own division. They have a perfect record of 14 and 3. If they win all the games they're supposed to win and lose all the games they're supposed to lose, they would go 14 and 3 with two close wins and two close losses. But that is a lot, a lot, a lot to ask of a Lions team that's still pretty young. So I have them finishing at a record of 12 and 5, which wins them the NFC North, puts them fourth in their own division, but puts them at the three seed because they outseed the NFC South winner. Up next, I have the Ravens, who have the 11th hardest strength of schedule. I have them up a perfect record of 14 and 3, with two close wins and no close losses. But I have them finishing at a final record of only 10 and 7, because it is hard to win that many games in a row at this high level, which does have them sneak into the playoffs at that sixth seed, which put them and puts them second in their own division. Up next, we got the Cowboys, who play the 13th hardest schedule in the NFL, another around average one. They play a lot of high teams and a lot of low teams. Uh, they have a perfect record of 12 and 5 with two close wins and two close losses, but I have them finishing at that same record, 12 and 5, which does not put them at first in their own division, so they get that five seed even though they're third in the entire NFC. Up next, I have the Bills, who have a second hardest schedule in the entire NFL. Second in their conference, but also second in their division. They don't even play the hardest schedule in their own division. I have them at a perfect record of 12 and 5, one close win and two close losses. But I have them finishing at a final record of 11 and 6 because they play such a hard schedule. It is very, very difficult, and they are a very good team. So I do think they make the playoffs and they will be the five seed in the AFC. The Jets have the sixth hardest schedule in the entire NFL, but it is the easiest in their entire division, which is very interesting. Their perfect record would be 15 and two with three close wins and one close loss. So I have them at a final record of 13 and four, which puts them at fifth in the entire NFL, third in their conference and first in their division, giving them the three seed. Up next, I have the Bengals who play a easier schedule, middle of the pack, 14th hardest in the NFL, second in their own division. They have a perfect record of 15 and 2, which makes sense because there's a lot of teams below them, with one close win and two close losses. So my final record prediction is 13 and 4, because I don't believe that any of these teams will really, at this point, live up to their hype, just like the teams at the bottom of the list won't live down to their hype, because things happen in the NFL. It's a very, very competitive league. So 13 and 4 puts the Bengals second in the entire conference, first in their own division, fourth in the entire NFL and gets them the second seed in the AFC. Up next, we got the 49ers, who have the 19th hardest schedule in the NFL, another around average one, slightly easier. They have a perfect record of 16-1, and one, with one close win and one close loss, but I have them at a final record of 13-4. and four. Same as the Bengals, but I have them finishing above the Bengals in the tiebreaker, but it doesn't matter because they're in opposite divisions, and the NFC second-place takers will be the 49ers. Up next, I have the Chiefs, who play the sec seventh hardest schedule in the entire NFL. But it doesn't matter when you're as good as the Chiefs, you get things done. They have a 16-1 perfect record because the team above them does play them. Two close wins, one close loss, 
and finished with a final record of 14 and 3, which once again gets them the first seed in the AFC, giving them that bye. Lastly, I have the Eagles, who obviously have the perfect win and perfect loss of 17 and 0. They play the 10th hardest schedule in the entire NFL, and I have them at an amazing, amazing record of 15 and 2, which could be a little bit high for them because we'll see how many how hard it is to actually win games every single week in the NFL. Nothing's a gimme really. And I don't know if any team can really go 15 and two when the league is this deep and this even at this point, but that gives them the first seed in the entire AFC, giving them the bye and puts them at first in the entire NFL. So now with all that being said, I think I should reiterate how exactly the playoffs are going to look. So in the first seed in the AFC, I have the chiefs who obviously they get the first round by, they don't play anybody. Second seed in the AFC will be Cincinnati Bengals, who are 13 and 4, and they'll play the seven seeded Ravens. So, once again, Bengals Ravens, first round of the playoffs. The third seed in the NFC would be the Jets, who would play the Chargers. Now, the fifth and the fourth seeds would also play each other, that being the Bills and the Jaguars, who the Bills actually do have the better record there in that matchup, even though they are the lower seed. For the NFC playoffs, the first overall team, team that with the bye, is the Eagles. Second team is the 49ers, and they play the seven-seeded Vikings, 49ers-Vikings. The third seed is the Lions, who would play the six-seeded Seattle Seahawks in one of the best games in the entire NFL, if that's what it comes to. And the fourth seed would be the Carolina Panthers, who would play the fifth-seeded Cowboys, and which the Cowboys would probably be favored to win that game because of their record and because the Carolina Panthers won a shaky division. Hello, and welcome back to Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. This is Outside Source Football, and my name is Evan Mick, and it's time for Fantasy Football. This whole 22-minute segment will be dedicated to fantasy football rankings for the 2023 season. All of it will be done in half PPR, which I'm also going to be doing it in tiers. So I'm not going to be doing this is player A, this is player B, this is player C, and it's one, two, three. I'm going to be doing them in little groups so then you know what kind of areas to draft them in. Because the point of draft is to pick the best tier of players. So say that you like a certain guy better in a tier, then that's up to you. But these are the guys that I think are all similar to each other that you should be drafting before this next group of players. So we're going to start out with wide receivers. In tier one, I have Justin Jefferson, Terry Kill, and Jamar Chase. These guys are head and shoulders above everybody else. They're the guys who have the highest chance of being wide receiver one. I would say especially Justin Jefferson, and I would definitely lean Justin Jefferson in this tier, but they're all great picks at the 101. In tier two, I have Stefan Diggs and Cooper Cup. So Cooper Cup was in that tier one for me until that hamstring injury that's coming up. Now he's in tier two because of the injury. Uh, Stefan Diggs is not as good as those one value guys. But he is extremely valuable and he is still one of the best wide receivers in the game. In tier three, I have AJ Brown, Garrett Wilson, and Amon Ross St. Brown. So Garrett Wilson, obviously upgraded quarterback. He had a thousand yards last year. He has a chance, honestly, of finishing as the overall wide receiver one, but we'll see how much passing they really do in that offense. It'll probably be a run heavy scheme, but hopefully he gets a lot of red zone work and he'll get a lot of touches no matter what. AJ Brown, obviously high value guy. I'm expecting him to kind of repeat last year. Ramon Ross St. Brown, I think, kind of speaks for himself. Uh, we already know he's great. He'll be especially good if you're in a PPR league. If you'd like, So in a non-PPR, I would hesitate a little bit more, but still great because he gets a lot of touches. I also think Amon Ross St. Brown will be a better red zone threat this year. 
In tier four, I have Devontae Adams and CeeDee Lamb, two very talented players with okay quarterback play. We'll see how actually that turns out, especially for Devontae Adams downgrading to Jimmy Garoppolo. In tier five, I have Jalen Waddell, DK Metcalf, Calvin Ridley, Amari Cooper, and DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins, Amari Cooper, and Calvin Ridley are all guys I would target in that fourth, fifth round turn. Guys that I would target as you're either you picked running backs and now you're going for your wide receiver one, or you already have a wide receiver one and you're going for your high value wide receiver two. In tier six, I have a guy who is a huge question mark because of quarterback play, and that is Christian Watson. In tier seven, I have T. Higgins, Chris Olave, Keenan Allen, George Pickens, Debo Samuel, Devonta Smith, and Mike Williams. Uh, T. Higgins and Devonta Smith probably have really, really low floors. Uh, Chris Olave and George Pickens have very, very high ceilings. Uh, we don't really know exactly what's going to happen in the Chargers, so we don't know if Keenan Allen is still going to be lingering hamstring injury. We don't know if Mike Williams, because he can barely ever stay on the field. We don't know if Quinton Johnston's going to take over. So that's a couple question marks there, but they're players who have been really solid over the last couple of years. In tier eight, we have Mike Evans, Terry McLaurin, Michael Pittman, Marquise Brown, Quinton Johnston, Jamison Williams, Tyler Lockett, and Jahan Dotson. Uh, Mike Evans, Terry McLaurin, Michael Pittman, Marquise Brown. Those are four guys who are the wide receiver ones on their own team, but the quarterback play is not that shaky. How many days are they actually going to have great opportunities to get some deep passes? Uh, there are probably teams that are going to be passing quite a bit because they could be behind, but quarterback play is super shaky, and we don't know exactly what's going to happen with any of them. Uh, Quentin Johnston, obviously a rookie. He's a, he's a risky take, but he's a lot of upside if he does become that Chargers wide receiver one. Jamison Williams, out for the first six games. I think he'll be really good afterwards, but I think that first six games, obviously, it hurts. It hurts. You don't want to be leaning on a player who's going to miss the first six games and then lose four of those games and then kind of take yourself out of the playoff contention because of that. Uh, Tyler Lockett getting older. They just signed or just drafted JSN, but JSN is supposed to be out for week one. I think JSN will take over that Tyler Lockett role. I think he'll get all of Tyler Lockett's touches eventually, but I think that this year, Tyler Lockett still does have some value here. Jahan Dotson, another guy. Uh, he's in the same team as Terry McLaurin. Questionable quarterback play, uh, but I think that he could be, a, he could be, he's an athlete. He should get a lot of touches in that system, especially with Biennemi. I think that Biennemi is going to design passes more for Dotson because of his play style than he is for Terry McLaurin. In tier eight, we have Odell Beckham, Deontay Johnson, Drake London, DJ Moore, Jerry Judy, Jackson Smith, Kadarius Toney, DJ Chark, Adam Thielen, Brandon Cooks, Traylon Burks, and Chris Godwin. Uh, most of these guys are just kind of flex guys, guys that you you have a bye week and you want to play this guy. You got an injury, you need to play one of these guys. Uh, Odell Beckham, not great quarterback play. Uh, some other guys who are just kind of their wide receiver twos in their team. Whether If there is an injury, then yeah, they have a high upside. Uh, DJ Moore, I like his good weeks, but I don't think that he'll get a lot of touches. I think he'll get like three deep balls a game. And it's just a question of, does he come down with those on the week? So he does. Yeah, maybe he'll get some high points. But I think that he will have some games where he'll have like three points. I think he'll have that a couple times this year. I now have three sleepers. These are guys who will be probably undrafted. These aren't guys who are going to go late, but these are guys who might be undrafted and they could be high value wide receiver twos. Like these aren't guys who are going to be wide receiver ones overall because they're going undrafted. But I have Elijah Moore. Uh, he just moved to the Browns. If he becomes Deshaun Watson's favorite target, he has some really high upside because that Browns offense could be 
passing quite a bit more if Deshaun Watson comes back to form a little bit. So that's has it has two factors that are at play there. But if he does turn out well, then there's some high upside there. Uh, Nico Collins, I think that he'll be the wide receiver one in Houston. How much does that really mean, though? How much will they be passing? How much will they be lying on Damian Pierce instead? Uh, how well will their passing game actually go when they do pass? I think Nico Collins will have at least three games with like 17, 18 points because because when CJ Stroud does play well, then Nico Collins will have great games. Next up, I have Wandale Robinson, who is the Giants. I think he'll be the Giants wide receiver one if he's healthy. If he's hurt, I wouldn't even touch him. But if he's healthy, he's the Giants wide receiver one behind Saquon Barkley and Darren Waller. He's the only guy who I really saw some upside in last year on the whole Giants receiving core. And I think that he could be okay because of that. My last sleeper is whoever the Patriots wide receiver is. Their leading wide receiver, just throw a dart. Just take a guess. It could be any of their guys. But whoever their leading wide receiver is, I believe that they'll pass more this year because they got rid of some offensive coordinator. Uh, they changed. And I think they'll be passing a little bit more this year. And they'll let Mac Jones open up the field and see what he can actually do. For the running backs now, I have in tier one, I have Christian McCaffrey and Austin Eckler, guys who are going to catch a lot of passes, guys who are going to score a lot of touchdowns, guys who are going to get quite a few touches behind good offensive lines. In tier two, I have Saquon Barkley and Derrick Henry, guys that if they stay healthy, they'll be getting a lot of touches. Uh, How well will those touches go? We'll really see, but they'll be getting a lot of touches. Then in tier three, I have Jonathan Taylor, Nick Chubb, Bijan Robinson, and Josh Jacobs. So in tier three, the one thing I will say is that I'm acting as if Josh Jacobs is going to play because that's not an injury situation. I'm not going to knock him down for it because it's not like it's a question mark. It's not something that people can predict. And it's not something that people who usually predict get right. Jonathan Taylor, I would say if he gets traded to the Bucks, if he gets traded to maybe the Dolphins, if he gets traded to a team where he could be great, then that's that tier three value. Even if he stays in the Colts, I think that's still that tier three value. If he goes somewhere where like the Cardinals or something where they have no offensive line and they're just kind of trashing with him, I think that he'll be horrible. But I'm hoping that he goes to like the Bucks for himself. In tier four, I have Tony Pollard. He was extremely, extremely, extremely efficient. And that's the thing people are going to bring up again and again and again. He's the most efficient running back in the NFL, you know, whatever. He's getting six yards per touch. Well, yeah, he's getting six yards per touch, but how many touches is he getting? Now that he is getting more touches, he is extremely more valuable to the team, but he's not going to be as efficient because when you get 20 touches, it makes it harder to average six yards per carry. That's just facts. In tier five, I have Ramondre Stevenson. Uh, Patriots are going to lean on the run game every year, year in, year out. Even though I think they are going to pass more this year, they're still going to run, and he's their number one guy by far. In Tier 6, I have Brees Hall, Kenneth Walker, and J.K. Dobbins. Uh, Very interesting with Brees Hall. Now that they signed Dalvin Cook, we'll see how many touches Brees Hall gets. But like I said, I think they'll lean a little bit more on the run game than people think they're going to. I think they're going to be an Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon type thing. It's just a question of who's Aaron Jones. I think it'll be Brees Hall if he's healthy, but if he's not healthy, then obviously it will be Dalvin Cook. Uh, Kenneth Walker, another guy who's, he's been, he's kind of hurt. He had a groin problem, but he's supposed to be back by the first game. Not super worried about it. Uh, J.K. Dobbins, obviously coming off the ACL from two years ago, but I think that this year he'll be back and he'll be getting a lot of touches because they do run a lot. In tier seven, I have Aaron Jones, Miles Sanders, Najee Harris, Damian Pierce, and Travis Etienne. Travis Etienne, maybe the most upside, at least in the past catching game, but I'm probably super low on him 
because I don't love his talent. I don't think he's super talented. And I wouldn't be that surprised if he got a chunk of his role taken away. Aaron Jones, Miles Sanders, Najee Harris, Damon Pierce, all the running back ones on their team by quite a bit. Uh, I would say especially Damian Pierce, probably the most talented of the group, maybe Aaron Jones, uh, but not in great situations per se. Aaron Jones obviously has A.J. Dillon behind him who will take some of the touches. Uh, Miles Sanders doesn't have a great offensive line. Iki Aquino is pretty good, but other than him uh, and a rookie quarterback, Najee Harris isn't the greatest of running backs, but he's their running back one, and he also doesn't have a great offensive line. There's some, you know, knocks there, but they'll all be pretty solid players, I think. In tier eight, I have Alexander Madison, Joe Mixon, Isaiah Pacheco, Jameer Gibbs, James Conner, and James Cook. All guys who uh, who have, these guys are actually all over the place, to be honest. Uh, James Cook is the running back one now in Buffalo. And how many touches will he really get now that they brought in Damian Harris? Is, do they really trust him as that running back one? Alexander Madison, it's kind of same situation as, as James Cook. He's now got that running back one role. And if he gets the same kind of role as Cook had, then he'll be great. But if he doesn't get that kind of role, then there's some question marks there. Joe Mixon, great pass catching guy. Uh, he'll probably get some good touches now that Samaje P. Ryan's gone. But the question is, is how healthy can he stay? And the other question is, is how good is their offensive line? Because it hasn't been good and it hasn't been good at blocking for him. My big fear with Jameer Gibbs is I worry that he won't get more than 15 touches in any game because I don't think that he's the running back one. I think Montgomery is. I think he'll get the higher value touches. I think he'll get the touches in the passing game, in the deep game. I think he'll get the sweeps and that kind of stuff, the stuff that could go long. But will he get the red zone work? I think he'll get like 50% of it. I think they'll cut that pretty even. And will he get enough touches? In tier nine, I have Rashad White, Cam Akers, Dalvin Cook, Damian Harris, DeAndre Swift, Brian Robinson Jr., Alvin Kamara, David Montgomery, and Samaj P. Ryan. Awesome guys. There are some of them are RB2s. Some of them, I think that I think that Montgomery will get the starting role, but I don't think that they'll have as many rushing touchdowns this year. I think that they're going to rely on Amon Ross St. Brown a lot more this year. Jameson Williams, when he comes back to get those red zone touchdowns, I do think that he'll still have some touchdowns. I think that he'll get seven points every week, week in, week out, and have those upside weeks. But I think that his upside is kind of capped because of the Jameer Gibbs, and I don't think they'll get a lot of pass catching work. My three sleepers for running backs are all rookies. I have Devon Akane, who's out of Miami. Uh, if he takes that starting role from Raheem Mostert, which I think he will in the second half of the season, I think that all these guys will be the starters by the second half of the season, especially. If he takes that role, then he's in a very good situation because they can run a lot more. I think that he's more talented than Raheem Mostert. And I think that the running back one in Miami, because of Miami's offense is so good, I think that he'll get some touchdowns. I also believe that he'll have easy running lanes because of their high volume passing and because of how good their passing offense is. Number two, I have Roshan Johnson, who's out of Chicago. I came from Texas. He was Bijan Robinson's backup. So he's an RB2 in college, but he's the RB2 to Bijan Robinson. I actually really, really, really liked Roshan Johnson coming out of college. He's one of my favorite prospects this year at running back. Uh, I think that he can do pretty much anything, and I think that he is the most talented back in Chicago, and I don't really think it's that close. His role this year will probably, at the end of the year, by by week six, I would say, will look more like David Montgomery's role last year, where he's getting a lot of touches, and he'll be getting a lot of work, and it's just, when you get enough touches as a running back, you're going to score some points. 
My last sleeper is a guy who I think will earn the starting role, but there's definitely a question mark there because we don't know how good Cam Akers is going to be. This is Zach Evans. He's the least talented out of these three backs for sure, but he does have some talent. He's really, really good at following blockers, especially in open field. And I think that he has a chance of taking the starting role. And if he does, he's not playing behind the greatest offensive line, but he'll be a mid-value RB2 for you. Thank you for listening to 101.7 FM, Radio Free Hillsdale. Next up is my tight end rankings. So in tier one, I have Travis Kelsey. Don't put anybody else in the same tier as him. I remember that last year, the difference between tight end one and tight end two. So Travis Kelsey's the next tight end was the same exact difference between the tight end two and the tight end 33. Nobody else is on this guy's level. It's not really that close. Um, Take him if you get the chance. In tier two, I have Mark Andrews, Darren Waller, George Kittle, and TJ Hawkinson. So I fear a little bit for Mark Andrews, to be honest, because they did bring in new, at least decent weapons for Lamar. They brought in two new wide receivers, Odo Beckham, and they drafted Zay Flowers. So we'll see how many touches Lamar is getting, because I don't think it'll be as high as last year, and I don't think that he'll be as valuable as last year. Darren Waller, on the other hand, is probably my favorite to finish as the tight end, too. Ryan Dable is very smart, and I think that he'll manufacture a lot of touches for Darren Waller. But not only that, but I think that nobody else in the Giants is the same talent as Darren Waller. Nobody else has that. Daniel Jones is going to notice right away. He's going to be like, when I throw to this guy, good things happen. When I throw to everybody else, eh, things happen. So I think it's one of those things that, especially in a PPR, he'll just get so many touches because I think he's going to be Daniel Jones' favorite target this year maybe even above Saquon Barkley. I think it'll be between those two. I think that he'll take some of the work from Saquon Barkley. I think he'll help them out a little bit in the passing game because their wide receivers are so bad. I think that he'll play some wide receiver too. George Kittle, I was a little bit fearful about, but now that Brock Purdy has been named the starter, I'm a little bit excited about it because Brock Purdy did really, really like passing to George Kittle. He did it more than any other quarterbacks in the 49ers. Uh, And I think that Kittle has some value there. Uh, He'll get some yak. He'll probably score a couple more touchdowns this year than he did last year. TJ Hawkinson last year was one of Kirk Cousins' favorite targets. Obviously, Jefferson is there to take away touches. Now Jordan Addison is there to take away touches. But I think that TJ Hawkinson will get his. I think that they'll pass a lot like they did last year. And TJ Hawkinson was a high-value target for Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins passed the ball to TJ Hawkinson a lot. And I think that he's in this tier. In Tier 3, I have Dallas Goddard and Dalton Schultz. So Dallas Goddard, he's got some high offensive power around him, but it makes it a little bit easier for him to get open and get those easy underneath screens. He's probably going to be one of the more consistent tight ends. I think he'll score at least five points a week. And then when he does have a good week, he'll hit that 12, 13 mark maybe. Dalton Schultz is an interesting one because I said earlier that Nico Collins could blow up with CJ Stroud. But to be honest, I think that Dalton Schultz might be the better wide receiver. So that would make Dalton Schultz the best wide receiver in Houston. And if they're passing a lot, then he'll be the opposite of what he was last year. Where last year, he had a lot of touchdowns and not a lot of receptions. This year, he'll have a lot of receptions and not a lot of touchdowns. In tier four, I have Pat Firemuth and Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts, freak athlete, hasn't produced. I don't really think that he will to the number of his rookie year, but I think he'll produce a little bit more this year. I think they'll try to get him the ball a little bit more. Pat Fryermuth has the chance to be a high-value tight end because he's in an offense where there's a lot of question marks, and if Kenny Pickett really, really likes throwing over the middle, which he does, and they scheme Pat Fryermuth there a lot, then Pat Fryermuth will get some touches. Tier 5 is probably the safest tier 
as far as the next couple tiers go. There's ties that are not going to score high unless they score a touchdown, but they're guys who are usually going to get like three points a game. So I have David Njoku, Greg Dolchitz, Chigano Okonkwo, Cole Komet, Tyler Higby, and Gerald Everett. Guys that all get touches every single week, but not very many, and not very many red zone touches either. Tier six is the riskier tier, uh, but these guys have higher ceilings. Uh, Jawan Johnson, he was a huge red zone threat last year. We'll see with Derek Carr if that continues or if that kind of just goes away. Dalton Kincaid, rookie, Bills, early draft. Will he produce? Uh, we'll see. Is he, what they're going to have him play? What kind of routes are they going to have him run? Those are the questions we don't really know. Taysom Hill, obviously we know about Taysom Hill. The guy can play quarterback. When he does, he's got some value. When he runs the ball, he's got some value. And you can put him in that tight end position, which is why he is risky, but he could be really good. Sam Laporta, Lions, new tight end. Definitely the most talented receiving tight end there. But will he start as a blocker? Because is he that good of a blocker? I don't really know. How many snaps will he actually be playing? Will he get high value targets? In tier seven, I have Irv Smith and Logan Thomas, who both kind of just meh at this point in their careers. Uh, my one sleeper that I have is Delaney Woods. So he's on the Colts. Uh, I think this is his second year, but the dude is absolutely huge. He could be in a new RPO heavy scheme. First of all, I think that he already is a high value red zone threat. So if they get to the red zone a lot, then I think he'll be valuable. Will they get to a red zone a lot? Eh, I don't really know. But I think that he could be valuable in this new RPO system because he can get some yak. They can just toss it up to him. He can leak out. I think that's something that he could be extremely valuable for, at least in fantasy aspect. I don't know if it'll be valuable for him as a player, but in the fantasy aspect, I think that'll be really, really helpful for him with the new head coach and the new quarterback who doesn't have the most accurate balls. Finally, I have my quarterback rankings. In tier one, I have Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts, the tier one guys. Head and shoulders above everybody else. Great rushing, great throwing. In tier two, I have Patrick Mahomes. Best quarterback in the league. Very safe. He's going to score you so many points a week. He's going to score touchdowns every single week. Not the rushing value guys in tier one half. Tier three, I have Justin Fields, Lamar Jackson, and Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow might miss a week or two, but he's the safest of these three. Uh, Lamar Jackson and Justin Fields, they struggle to stay healthy sometimes, but both high value rushers could get a lot of rushing touchdowns, which are obviously worth more than passing touchdowns. Tier four is the safe tier. So that's Justin Herbert and Trevor Lawrence. These are guys who are going to score you a couple touchdowns every week. They're probably going to get you 16 to 20 points. But in tier five, if you get one of those tier four guys, I would try to reach for one of these two guys as well. Uh, just so then you can have that high value risk player. It's Deshaun Watson and Tua who both have a lot of question marks around them. But if they perform, they'll perform better than the guys in tier four. In tier six, I have Aaron Rodgers, Daniel Jones, Geno Smith, Kirk Cousins, Jared Goff, Brock Purdy, Matthew Stafford couple safer guys. Geno Smith could actually move up in tiers with the new weapons that he has. Jared Goff, very safe. Kirk Cousins, as long as he is Justin Jefferson, he'll be very safe. Brock Purdy's pretty safe. He was safe last year. He's got so many weapons around him. He can't really mess up. Matthew Stafford, as long as he's healthy, he's safe. Uh, Daniel Jones will always have that rushing value. He's a guy who could kind of fluctuate in points week to week. He could get 16 and then could get 24. And then he could get seven. So he's a more questionable guy. Aaron Rodgers could be really, really, really good if they throw the ball a lot in the red zone. And I do think that he'll be better than at least he was last year. In tier seven, I have Dak Prescott, Anthony Richardson, Jordan Love, and Derek Carr. Jordan Love is probably the only sleeper here because he could be very good, but I don't really think that he'll be as good as anybody above him that much. Same thing with Anthony Richardson. He has some high value because he's just rushing, but I don't think that he'll be like a Justin Fields was last year. 
Thank you for listening to Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. This is Outside Source Football. Go follow us at OSFB underscore pod on Instagram and TikTok. Thank you so much.